Friday's episode of Daily DVR Presents House of the Dragon is brought to you by Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com has the greatest products for looking good. They have all the geeky stuff. Man, if you want like a Star Wars tie pin, you want some cufflinks that have the Captain America shield, Game of Thrones, all the sports teams, college sports teams. They have everything to add that little touch to make you look great. So, Look awesome when you step out the door tomorrow. Go to cufflinks.com. Use code DVR20 today. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. Also, please check out our new NFL podcast called Around the Couch, where Heath and Andy and I talk about the NFL for two and a half hours every week. It's very long. It's very fun. It's, as Gina said, boys in their balls or something before the podcast. I did not say it that way. (laughs) That's the way I heard it, Gina. I see. Um, But uh, it kind of is that, though. Totally. Uh, But it's fun. Um, But we're here to talk about House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 9, our penultimate episode of the season, only one more left. Of course, Gina is here, and we have a very special guest. Trey is joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, very gray and rainy where I am right now, which seems appropriate foreshadowing for this episode. Yeah. So true. So true. Well, it's unfortunately cloudy with fire dust here in Portland. So I'm not supposed to, we're not supposed to like go outside and run around a lot until it starts raining. How about you, Gina? How's your weather? Actually, our weather's great today. There's not a cloud (laughs) in the sky and it's warm, like a nice warm bath when you go outside. Um, So I guess I'm the lucky one today. Yeah, I guess you are. That sounds good. Well, we have, uh, we don't have any warm baths to talk about. We do have uh, some incest and feet and dragons (laughs) and just what an episode. I mean, this was a fantastic episode. I loved it. I hope you all loved it too. But before I just remembered before we start, I'm going to remember now to ask Trey can you please tell us about your experience with A Song of Ice and Fire, how much you have read, watched, how into it you are, just so we have a little background on you and this subject matter? Okay, uh, so I have read the entire series of A Song of Ice and Fire, which is the five books that Game of Thrones is based on. I've read about half of Fire and Blood. I'm reading it concurrently with watching the show so i'm not at the end of the dance with dragons chapters in fire of blood yet but i'm much further along than where the show is right now so okay okay i I will not divulge spoilers but uh i do know what's going to happen for probably the first half of next season all right Mm -hmm. cool good well that gives us a little background yeah we're trying not to spoil anybody 
Um, though I do think I saw the uh, actually just today someone had a tweet or something and they said, though most of what we've seen so far is more like a prequel, the real story is now starting. And I kind of wanted to start out by asking both of you, do you kind of feel that way? Is that dragon coming up through the ground like that, right? Is that a metaphor for the story itself? That these things which have been talked about, obsessed about, we've seen them flying around, we've seen a little action but not too much, now they're going to burst through and we're going to get the real story. Is that how you feel, Gina? Um, You know, I think so. And I think what we're also going to see next season is probably fewer time jumps because that's actually a good way to describe this season, kind of a prequel. And that would better explain all the time jumps. You're kind of giving some of the background on the characters. Not really much happens during this time of peace. So you have to jump forward a lot. And um, I do think that getting into the story Dance of Dragons now that we're there with the usurping of the throne, it's, um, yeah, I think this is where it's going to become a lot more like um, Game of Thrones, where we're doing everything in real time and the decisions that are going to be made, like they can't skip over years of those because I think every decision and conversation related to what's coming next season is now really going to matter. Yeah. How about you, Trey? What do you feel about that? And and also, have you felt about this season so far since we haven't heard about it from you? So overall, I really like this season. Um, Far superior to like the production value and just some of the writing choices in the last four seasons of Game of Thrones show. So like it's already much better than that. And I think especially because it's such um, like it'll be a much shorter story to tell and they already have all the writing already done from George R. R. Martin to kind of guide them along that the quality will stay fairly consistent. I will say like, occasionally there are things that I just think are ridiculous. Like the first time Damon showed up in his crime cloak, I was like, what is this? <laughs> like how, like, where are you popping out from this like mountain area to like kill your wife in this stupid outfit? And also if nobody's around, why did you need to wear that? So every now and then, like, especially when they bring back the cloak, I just think it's like, it takes me out of the seriousness of the, of the story a little bit because they're just, they're moments that are like done subtly in the book, or we don't even know, for example, like Damon killing his wife, we don't even know in the book if that's what happened. Right. It could be plausible based on how that lets him marry someone else after. And that also he hated his wife initially. Um, but I, yeah, there are just some moments in the show where I would have liked a bit more of subtlety and it's just kind of taken to like such an extreme that it's a little bit camp. I, you know, that's kind of funny. I also kind of see Matt Smith being like, hey, give me a murder cloak. But then I also think he's got long blonde Targaryen hair that's easy to spot from a mile away. So it makes sense he has something covering his head, although it did not need to be that cloak. I agree. It's yeah. kind of ridiculous. There's like a lot of people are wearing cowls now when they commit crimes in the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, you know, 
I don't know. I found when, as you were kind of describing that and I started, and then you mentioned that in the book, we really don't know. And a lot of this stuff, because it, since it's told like a history, we're getting so many details. And also, as we've talked about many times, it, they, they'll just say, well, one person says this, but another person thinks this happened or mushroom thinks this happened. And I'm mushroom. still disappointed that mushroom <laughs> hasn't shown up yet. Um, yeah, mushrooms great. But I think I, when those kind of things happen because the cloak shows up again, right? Yeah. Um, I kind of feel to myself like, are they playing with that idea? Does the does the cloak does that silly cloak in itself communicate to the audience a kind of um, well, this is what could have happened. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, if I choose to see it that way, it's like digestible. So. Okay. <laughs> see, yeah, maybe I have to stretch too much to get there. Probably, I think a lot of people would probably be laughing by now, but. That's kind of the way that I see, because I agree with you and some of the exposition too, like whenever a character comes on, they're always like you and your brother is this person <laughs> and I am your cousin. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of used to that as television watchers. And I think that they've done that kind of judiciously, but it still does happen. Um, and I guess, I guess. For me, who really enjoyed the time jumps and like looked forward to them, I thought it was kind of like a cool thing that not a lot of shows have the guts to do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I ha I've had to kind of open myself up to putting myself in the position of someone who is confused, you know, and like what's happening because we're all geeks for this stuff and mm. probably the people listening are geeks for it. And sometimes when I'll talk to a person like say... I talk to my brother and sister-in-law. Sometimes they'll ask me, is this person like this? And they're not watching it with the same geekadom that I am. So they don't, a lot of like the world things kind of pass them by. Um, so I think it's that perspective is kind of interesting. Um, there was no, in this episode, we didn't get to see Damon. We didn't get to see Granera. We didn't get to see, uh, I guess they're mainly, or and the, their kids too. Mm -hmm. um, did you all miss them or did you like that there was more of a focus on the, I guess they're the greens, this, uh, uh, what, um, Alicent and that, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't mind that they weren't in this episode because. I think it's important kind of to see how everything is playing out with this usurping decision, not just with the green council and the, the, the new King himself, <laughs> but, um, but also some of the people surrounding that are like, this isn't cool with me, you know? And I think it's important to see how, some people are already divided over this before Renera even finds out. And I think that's a good kind of contextual background. So it's not just her getting in a fit, taking, you know, trying to round up people. It shows that there's a, a certain amount of defection that's naturally going to happen without her even realizing what's happened. So that's a great point. 
Um, that's a really great point. I hadn't really, even though that's such a part of the show, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, I was a little, I have to admit that, um, before we started Trey, you had, had said to us, Hey, do you think that this takes place like the morning after and those successive days? And it did feel like that to me that we that we're so used to the time jump it felt a little weird that there was none right oh yeah i guess that's also what caught me off guard about it yeah that you're you're, you're like kind of used to oh is it six months later but like no it's like six hours later mm-hmm. yeah you know and now and it's like that's why i think it starts with what at first you get that weird piano which I recognize for the, the remember when they introduced it for um, in Cersei. Game of, yeah, thank you for Cersei in Game of Thrones. And I remember Matt did a whole thing about how that's the first time they did like solo piano in the whole series, right? And they mm-hmm. did it here, and it was like the castle is asleep, right? Like no one knows yet what's going to happen. In both those examples, the episode ended with the set being blown up. Oh, yes, it did. You're By right. a woman. That, that's a little foreshadowing, huh? Through music. I like that. Well, you'll have to tune into Before the Dragon and hear Matt talk about that because I'm sure he will. Uh, that's a gr- Oh, that's really cool. There were a lot of, I think, I think they are trying to do that in this show, especially with the prophecy connect the two shows um but i that little touch is is really cool but i i, I was just mentioning it because it kind of i was kind of confused at that like i thought for a second or is this like a a real like a, have we time jumped years ahead and no one's in the castle because they're out fighting or so, you know what I mean? Like I was just kind of confused. And then once I settled into it, I kind of understood what was happening. And then I got confused again because I didn't know if I quite understood how Allison and Otto were fighting to get uh, the new King. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. understand really kind of understand their point of view. And I don't know, did you all feel that way, Trey? Did you kind of understand inherently why they were both trying to get him? No, I actually, I found that part of the episode really confusing. Um, Like I, I can understand, as I said, I normally don't find Allison sympathetic. And this was the first episode where I kind of clearly understood her motivations, even though I don't agree with her. um, I thought, like I did have some sympathy for her because her motivations made a bit more sense to me. Um, and I do think she does clearly love her kids, uh, which wasn't really clear before. Um, but now I kind of see where she's coming from also as a mother to the future King and not just somebody who wants to keep the power closer to her family. Um, but then I didn't really understand what Otto could have possibly said to Igon in private that would have been much different from what Allison said. Unless, oh. it, unless it was that maybe Allison thought uh, if someone else speaks to Aegon, they're going to get him to go like fly on a dragon and kill Rhaeny- Rhaenyra. That's the only thing that 
maybe could have been what Allison was worried about, that they would be like, you have a dragon, you can go fly to your aunt on Dragonstone and like kill her entire family right now, which Allison wouldn't have wanted because she was arguing against murdering Rhaenyra. But it wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't completely clear why Otto needed to have a word with him, whether it was that he was going to incite murder or not. I think that's why. I think Otto's plan was to take out Rhaenyra and her whole family, which is what he had basically ordered the um, Lord Commander of the Kingsguard to do, who who took off his cloak and said, I'm not doing anything until we've got, you know, a new king or whatever. And um, and I think Otto was going to try to convince Aegon that that's what he should do is he should take out the whole family. And I think Allison was vehemently against that because that's what her father had threatened would happen to her children should Renera, you know, when Renera became queen, that she would take out the whole family. Well, here the tables are turned and Otto's like, yeah, let's let's do the same of what I told you she would do to you. Let's just do that to her. It's, you know, he's just a big game player. Um, yeah, I do too. He's just a, he's a shitty dad um, <laughs> and a worse hand. <laughs> Yeah, I um I found this to be kind of confusing. You said in your notes you found it kind of lame, uh, Gina. I find it more interesting when you explain it to me. <laughs> well, it's it's lame that they spent so much time yeah, on just that. Yeah, it was like a episode, twenty-five yeah. to thirty-minute segment yeah. was trying to track down Aegon first, and. I mean, we did learn some interesting things during that time. I don't mm-hmm. know if it needed to be 25 minutes. It probably could have been 10 to 15. But we learned that Aegon is a total shit who yeah. likes to watch little kids fight each other, uh, including his own bastard children. We learned that Amund rightly does not think Aegon should be king. We learned that mm-hmm. Aegon thinks he should not be king. <laughs> and um, we learned that, and I think it's, okay, it's Eric and Arik, the twins. We learned that they are divided when it comes to who they are going to side with. And I think probably that was one of the more important parts, not hunting down Aegon um, to see really who could get to him first. Like, fine, they needed to do that. It could have been much quicker, but I think it was more about the twins coming and the one coming to terms like, this guy could not be king. And, you know, screw this. (laughs) I'm, I'm done I, I'm not going to be a green. Um, I think that was probably the more interesting part of the story. Did we need to see bad accent again? No, but she was there. Yeah. That bad accent, accenting man. away. That, 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 yeah, that part really frustrated me. What, what about what, what frustrated you? First of all, I like did not think that, the child fighting ring scene needed to happen. I mean, the books are pretty gross and graphic, but that's not even, even like the books didn't have that bit. Uh, so I did think it just felt like it was there for shock effect and was maybe a, just like a little too disgusting to have. Um, and I guess like they just needed that one bit to reinforce that 
Aegon's disgusting, but we already knew that from the episode before when he assaulted one of the serving women. So I didn't yes. like, I, I already hate him. You can't make me hate him more. Like he's already the lowest of the low in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And then I also felt they needed the child fighting scene to give Masaria, the white worm, some motivation for doing what she does. She throws out a line like, "You, uh, I'll, I'll give you this information. I'll give him to you. And then in exchange, you and the child fighting ring. And I thought that whole thing didn't really need to happen. Um, I, I like Masaria as kind of like a Varys character in my eyes, someone who is maybe working for like a sneakier purpose that, like, I don't know, there's certain characters that I think are maybe a bit prophetic and they're trying to control the events of history for like a greater purpose, which is how I see Varys in the books and the show as well. And then some other characters who have magic connections, like Masseria, the White Worm is kind of a witch in a way. So I think it's better if she's just a bit more mysterious about her motivations for doing things. And yeah, I just thought that they didn't need to give her this child fighting ring plot to trade Aegon out uh, to like have a resolution for it. I just, yeah, I I think if they just took out the child fighting ring thing, like we still would have thought that Aegon is a piece of crap. And also they could have yeah. still introduced Masseria as like the master manipulator behind the scenes, mysterious woman with a secret purpose. Well, and you know, I think you're right, Trey, because when the handmaid to Alicent, Talia, puts the candle in the window. It's like, okay, this was clearly always going to be a signal that the king had died to Masseria. And, you know, I kind of thought, oh, is she going to be the one that spills the beans to Damon on on Dragonstone? Is she going to send a raven and maybe kind of control that? Like, I kind of thought, oh, they're going to get word to Rhaenyra a lot faster than they would have wanted. Um, I thought she was kind of playing that game. And, you know, back to the cloaked figures, um, someone was walking away from Masaria's place, having burned it down. And it wasn't someone with a limp. People are like, oh, Lara's sent someone to do it. Or someone said, oh, it was Lara's, but that person didn't have a limp. And so then you kind of wonder, oh, you know, could it have been? But he said he was going to do that, though. Oh, he did. Okay, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, I assumed that he got someone else to do his dirty work. Yeah, that was part of the whole foot thing. Right. I thought it was just the giving of information that was part of the whole foot thing. I will give you information if you let me see your. I think it could definitely be seen. I think it. I, I think it was. Ba- I think he would say the same thing, but then because of what happened in the context of it, it seemed he was directly saying, "I'll take her out." You know what I mean? I can do that for you. And then she kind of turned and did the foot thing. So it was as a final like, exact yeah. the mundo. But there was yeah. like, you know, it was like the strip tease of feet versus information. Let's put mm, it that way. Yeah. That's why I kind of thought like, oh, I show you a little more and I get a little more. <laughs> yes. I saw the funniest tweet. Someone said some poor uh, some poor foot guy had just come onto Twitter today and feels really bad for no reason. You all are terrible. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, come on, you know, in the context of it, it, I mean, this is like, for me, I don't, I don't want to get into football. I already talked about the football pod, but the jets former head coach Rex Ryan 
famously made like foot love videos with his wife and put them on the internet and someone found them. Do you, oh, I, I don't know if you all ever heard about this. I don't know about that. Yes. And people found them and he owned up to it. He was like, yeah, that's right. My wife and I did that. And I like beautiful feet. You have a problem with it. And guess what? No one ever made fun of him about it again. And he just like totally owned up to it. Um, and he would even make cracks, uh, foot, cr- foot, he would like mo- work in foot references at, at like press, press conferences. conferences. Yeah. <laughs> to, That's so funny. He just, he didn't care. And I just thought that it was, you know, people, th- people take this show very seriously <laughs> and sometimes a little too seriously, but I thought that that was interesting to me. For me, it was interesting because Allison also got really close to Cole, Kristen Cole, right? And was like, it, you know, think about the way you the way you care about me is the way that I'll be loyal to you or so. You know, she had some kind of line like that. So I think that having both of those instances in this episode where she's also trying to prevent her father from murdering her childhood friend and all of her kids and family mm-hmm. was an interesting kind of push and pull because it made you see, okay, wait, the way she uses power is not really uh, upfront or pleasant for the other people, right? Like she, she, her, her relationships are not like open in the same way that we saw with Renera and her ex-husband and stuff, they were open about things that other people like Rex Ryan, the way other people would not be, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that to me, that's what signals Allison this episode for me, even though she was trying to do something good, it signaled to me that she is the darker side here. Deep down, she's a sneaky little tease. Yes, is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, well, I didn't. Oh my god, I didn't know you were going that far. But well, that's what she is. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of true though, in in the respect that we all have our ways of using power or whatever, right? And I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's sex or what, that doesn't make that bad in that respect. But the way that we're seeing it in the show, it's obviously she knows the affections that these two men have for her. Right. And instead, even the way the thing, the way that she turned her face, right. Mm, Away from him showed her feet. And then he had to kind of look and just do his thing. It was not a, it was not like an act of where she was looking at him and engaging with it. Right. She, she's not taking joy in yeah. her role There's with these no two ex- men. The exchange is so weird, right? And it's I, icky. Yeah. I don't think she's taken joy in any of her relationships no. with yeah. men on the show. I actually think that Ooh. her truest love, whether it's sexual or non-sexual, has always been Renera. I, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with that's That's a fantastic point, Gina. Um, I want to say, Trey, I also, I agree with you about the child uh, ring thing and then the cast off line and we see his own bastard son that's about such a cute little kid that's about oh. to go up there yeah. you know I thought it was almost like we've run out of ways to make him worse than Joffrey 
He's very similar to Joffrey. Mm. You know? Yes. So we got to throw, like, raping a handmaiden for no is not enough. You know what I mean? And I do agree with you. I think sometimes this show does try to kind of outdo itself in, yeah. in, in how bad someone can be and, and, and how icky it can make you feel. Um, so I did feel like, and especially too, I agree when at the end, um, I, I always forget what's the white worms. What's her real name? My sorry. Okay. When she brings up, I'll do this for you, but you have to stop. I, all of a sudden my interest in her and the power I felt that she had plummeted. Yeah. Like I just, it just plummeted. I was like, wait, what? That's why I thought you had to me. I was Uh like, man, I kind of felt like she had enough power to stop that without them. Do you know what I mean? And then it just showed me that she didn't. So, cause I'm like, if you're in so in touch with the underworld and this is happening in the underworld, why are you asking the freaking king and queen to stop it? You know, like you're the underworld. Well, or even she had a direct line to the queen. All Talia would have had to do is say to the queen, I've heard disturbing reports that Aegon frequents child fighting rings. And is there any way, you know, people are very upset. Is there any way we could stop it? And Allison probably could have stopped it months, years before. So, you know, she wouldn't have been cool with that. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I think you all might have not heard it, but the recording may have picked up someone calling me. I don't know. I can't figure out how to stop my dumb laptop from receiving a call. I'm so old. I don't know how to do that either. I'm so technologically challenged. God, I'm such a moron. (laughs) Today is a day of days. Um, uh, But uh, yeah, to get back to the idea that they took an extended amount of time for this, once we dive into it and you, uh, as you had in your notes, like the different things we discover, I found it to be more interesting. And upon rewatch, uh, if I, and I want to rewatch it again now, um, I see more stuff. Can we talk again, Gina, about the brothers, Eric and Eric? Yes. Because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't confident enough in myself that the guy at the end who leads Rainus uh, out of the castle was him because he had his armor on. Yeah, it was him. He had left his brother when the scuffle was happening to take um, <laughs> take Aegon, I don't know, not hostage, but to contain him. But yeah, he had left his brother there to offend you know, for himself that. with yeah. Kristen Cole. And then I think that's when he went straight back to the, um, well, he, he went back and yeah, he must've put back on his armor. Cause remember they were kind of in cognito in the streets. Yes, they didn't they have were. their auto. Yeah. They yeah. All ch- <laughs> that was kind of funny too. Speaking of the cloaks, it was kind of funny. Uh, yeah. that everyone's like, we're in our normal people clothes now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and Avon had a cloak too. He had yeah. a murder cloak as well. Yes, that's <laughs> right. He did, but still he had this huge patch. I know. Everyone could see. Yeah. Get around know? that. Um, I'm convinced that they're directing, like that they've given the instruction to the actor playing Amund that he should be acting like Matt Smith. Yes. yes. Agreed. Agree. Agreed. 
100 percent they there there's even been several times that, remember we talked about gina how when we first saw him how he was like staring and later on he was staring at damon yeah at each other they yeah. kind of have this bromantic yeah. appreciation for each other like i recognize you yeah, <laughs> yeah. i see you because you're me deep down well maybe there i mean maybe there's an attraction there we haven't seen um Damon, we've only seen Damon with women, right? Or have we seen him with men too in this show? I can't we've, even remember. We've only seen him with women, but I think there was mention that there had been a scene with a man and him that ended up being cut. So oh, okay. I think there's room for some bro on bro incest. Could be. Question mark. Could be. I I feel like he just kind of gives the vibes that he's like very open to stuff. Yes. Yeah. I I think so too. True. And I mean, we Targaryens. It's Game of Thrones. You know what I'm saying? Like that would definitely be in keeping. I mean, he is married to his niece. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that he is definitely meaning that he's open. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's something that he's gonna like really worry about um but i did kind of feel that way i was surprised um that i and i another thing i didn't quite understand when when kind of watching it and i felt was purposeful like that is i thought when when they when they actually found um when they actually found uh aemon aegon i should say right Mm-hmm. They find Aegon, and then, then the then Cole starts fighting. I think it's Eric, right? Yes. And then, Aemon starts chasing Aegon. Was he tr- <laughs> was he thinking that he might kill him at that point? I th- I thought he was going to murder him. No, I, I think <laughs> I think he was just trying to catch him, and then he starts giggling like Amon was tickling him. And- yeah, I was so confused <laughs> by that because it looked like a tickle fight, but it, it started off looking like a murder fight. Yeah, I did. It was very strange because, and then I guess in the end, what he did is follow his mother's direction, right? And well, yeah, his, but- his his uh, brother back. Yeah. And also, and I think part of that had to do with Aegon saying to Aemon, once they were standing upright again, he's like, we could, we could run away. We could get on a boat and take off and they would never find us. And that was so sad. And I think that actually got to Aemon a little too, like, oh boy, this guy's really in over his head and I don't think he should be king. And this really like double sucks and kind of felt sorry, a little sorry for him. Yeah. I just, I didn't quite under, I, I just didn't understand. It was just hard to tell what people's motivations were during this whole time. And then when things switch and they have the meeting and then they find him in the sept, like stashed under there, which I thought that was <laughs> kind of weird too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like, I guess she heard the white worm hurt was happening and then she decided to let's grab the king right yeah that's basically what it comes down to um but i i i don't know the more we talk about it the more i kind of find this intriguing and i want to kind of decipher how it was written and shot and like the but in essence i don't know that it came off as well the first time watching 
Um, it was a lot that was going on. But I think what you said, Gina, about the brothers being important later, I think a lot of this stuff is going to be almost, that's why I did this episode more than others to me felt a little prequely um, mm. because it felt like they were so much of this was metaphor or foreshadowing for what's to come and motivations that will actually arise later. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of how I felt. Um, let's see, uh, what else, what else are we talking about? We talked about, um, I don't know. Is there anything on your mind, Gina? Mm, we definitely hit the foot fetish. Yeah, we hit, we hit the, um, (laughs) stepped on that one. And the whole hunt for Aegon. Oh, so just a nod before we get to the big bad is, um, Helena again she didn't really have like I think a new prophecy she had something that I think was kind of true regardless of it being prophetic or not it's our fate to crave always what is given to another if one possesses a thing the other will take it away she was just saying that about her children I don't necessarily think it was prophecy but it is foreshadowing for sure but then she was like where the beast beneath the boards was saying that again so so clearly all our talk last week about it being the pig on the board or you know Lara's underneath kind of the council the board was not true it really was a dragon in the end yeah yeah what do you think of that we had talked a little bit about that too there's a lot of people talking about she is supposed to represent like a neurodivergent person um, I, that's just I, what the internet says. I never picked that up from the book, but people all over the internet is like, oh, she's on the spectrum. She's neurodiverse, blah, 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 which, you know, maybe I don't really get that from seeing the character other than she was really interested in bugs and would kind of spat out interesting things. It doesn't, I don't know, but what yeah. do you think? Of, what do you think of that, Trey? I see where people are getting it from, uh, mainly her very niche interests that she's kind of hyper fixated on that are kind of hobbies that she can do quietly on her own. Like she doesn't seem to be too interested in socializing with her siblings, but I mean, that could also be because her siblings suck because she seems to get along really well with all of her cousins. Exactly. Like her cousins really like her. They go out of their way to make her included. Yeah. And she feels like special when she's part of that. And then she also blurts stuff out. Like at the dinner scene when she blurts out, oh, marriage isn't so bad. Mostly he just ignores you except for when he's drunk. I, I think that kind of like not not maybe adhering to the social norms at that time where you wouldn't say that at the dinner table is also strong case for why she could be neurodivergent. Yeah. I mean, I see it too, but I also think that um, it's a magical show. And I think in a way that makes me uncomfortable a little bit only because I know I know people come from a good place in wanting representation mm-hmm. but I think in this case it's a li- it may be a slippery slope you know yeah people people like to really overdiagnose these yeah, things for this show and I don't I don't it well not even for this show in for, life that's yeah. true that is true and it, I mean we've had hey we've had a lot of 
a lot of things happen in culture where people are obviously talking more about representation of all types, right? Which is a good thing. But I think then we also live in a, you know, capitalist society that tends to then commodify everything. And I think that in this case, I'm more comfortable with that. She's kind of a quirky, magical person. She's more, I see it more in that realm than I do them trying to, you know, wink or nod or, or give representation to a group of people. I just, I don't think that that's their intent. You yeah. Know? I think the intent is more for us to hear the beast beneath the boards or yeah. hand turns yeah. loom, spool of green, right? It's this kind of stuff. I think yeah. that's the intent there. She actually reminds me a little bit of Luna Lovegood from that's the Harry what Potter I get series. From her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just like a little spacey in her own oh, world. I that not, yeah. Okay. They're also both naturists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's very Luna esque. Interesting. Well, it would have been great to cast that girl on the show. I don't think oh, she Oh, that actress anymore. looks yes. so Targaryen, too. Yes. Yes. Interesting. All right. Um, well, you did have a lot of good stuff about Alicent. We've talked a bit about her. I mean, I think that. Um, the the kind of green council that they have and what she's trying to do during this episode is like I said it was it had been confusing to me but even I don't know do you agree that you uh, what would I should just ask what's your feelings on her coming out of this episode Gina I mean, I have always felt like Alicent is in over her head, whether she wants to be or not. I still feel that way. She seemed utterly disgusted to find out that they were planning to usurp the throne True. from the beginning. And she just, you know, she, she I, I think I do think she was a bit heartsick about the king dying. She seemed genuinely upset. I think she's very upset at the fact that they might try to kill Renera and her family. She was doing a great job defending her. And I think she's like, from the beginning, her dad put her in a tough position. And they even had that brief conversation like, oh, you're just defending your childhood friend. And he's like, what do you really want? And she goes, how do I know what I want? You've, you've been telling me what I should want for years from the beginning of this. And I think she's never really got to be her own person and follow her own heart and not been bound to the duty of raising some of these kids that are totally crappy and, you know, a husband that's ailing and try, trying to do her father's bidding. So I do feel, I do feel somewhat sorry for her. I don't know if there's a way for her to really get out of this um you know there's not now it's it's all gonna blow up and i i think the conversation between she and rainies was really interesting too because rainies is like haven't you ever imagined yourself on the iron throne and for me i think that question is no i don't think allison ever imagined that for herself because I don't think she's capable of imagining anything for herself since she was probably, you know, before she um, was tasked to go sit with the king after his wife died. I think all her 
kind of childhood hopes and dreams for what life would be like when she was adult probably ended there. Trey, what's your thoughts? I really liked Allison in this episode. Um, it's funny because like that episode before you had more of the POV from the Blacks faction where they were suggesting that Allison maybe was keeping Viserys sick or like really subdued on Milk oh, for Poppy to that. kind of like manipulate her way into the throne. Um, and then in this episode, like from her perspective, she's devastated when he dies. You like wouldn't for a second think that she was trying to make him feel worse ever now that it's the POV shifted to her perspective. And also, like, I never really thought she loved her kids before, but then uh, when she and Aegon are on the in the carriage on the way to his coronation, he says, do you love me? And she looks at him and smiles and says, imbecile, like, of course I love you. How could you, how could you question that? So it was kind of the first time that I really saw her as, like, very, very devoted to Viserys and also someone who did genuinely love her children. Um, so I had a lot more sympathy for her, especially because she was, like, adamant that they're not going to kill Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the scene with her and Rhaenys talking in the room was my favorite scene of this episode. Um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that, like, as, as Gina said, I don't think she did ever imagine that she would be powerful and that kind of how Sansa started off in, like, the early Game of Thrones. Sansa was like, I'm going to marry Joffrey and I'm going to be the mother to Kings. You know, it's not like, and I'm going to be the queen regent or the queen consort and also be powerful. It's like, my kids are going to do this after me. Like my legacy is taking care of these kids who are going to be the the royalty by virtue of who their father is. And I'm just the person having those babies. Like, I, I don't think she's, yeah, I think Otto manipulated her so much that it got kind of hard to see where the lines were between her ambitions and his own. But especially the way she spoke to him in this episode, it kind of clarified, like she was never part of these plots for years. She didn't mm-hmm. know that they were going to try to murder Rhaenyra. She didn't think that she didn't like actually think Aegon was going to be king and Otto been whispering in her ear the whole time saying Rhaenyra is going to murder your kids as soon as Viserys dies. Mm-hmm. So she kind of expected an attack or violence to start from the other side. And it was like her own side that are the ones who are going to spill first blood. So I, I had a lot of sympathy for her in this episode and her agency and lack of agency, I also felt was more clarified. Like what specifically were her goals surrounding her sons and herself. And yeah, I just, I, the way Eve Best, I think that's her name, who plays Rainey's is such a good actress. And I loved Olivia Cook in this episode too. And I thought their interaction in the room where Rainey's is being held hostage was so, so good. I really liked, I can't remember the exact line, but there was a bit something, I think Rainey said to her, like, you don't see freedom. You just want to have a window in the wall to look at, basically. Mm. Mm, good stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, it's tough because as, as we you both pointed out, I mean, this has been her whole life. I mean, how old was she when she was married off to the king uh 15 15 right and the kind of relationship that her father asked her to start started a bit before that 
Yeah. So it's like, that's her whole life, you know? And when when you're saying, when Gina, when you were saying, what else is she supposed to do? There is a part of me that says, well, she's the queen, you know? I mean, she she needs to tell her two dragon riding sons to go tell Renera they're going to kill you, you know, like, or you need to, she needs to stand up in front of a bunch of people and say, no, you know, Renera is now queen. Right. But then you start thinking about the other stuff. Would Renera do that? Can she trust that is what we saw in the last episode. We saw how, the kids hate each other. Could she even trust her kids would do that? Right. So she, it is, um, it's just like everything is working against even her best intentions to try not for this not to happen. And then as yeah. she's sitting there at the green council, like you said, she was so that kind of surprised me that she was so surprised. You know, it's like, are you really that surprised? Do you, that's your, that's, that's your dad. He's the hand of the kid. You know him, right? Like you've been around him enough. Don't you realize that he plotted to get you married to the king when you were a little girl? Like it just, it kind of surprises you. But then you think about in terms of being in the life and uh, you have sympathy. That's why this show is great. You know, yeah, I was just to say, this is what Otto has been plotting for all along. You see his face when Aegon, you know, at Aegon's coronation, I think he, you know, not only did he send his daughter to the king to potentially put herself forward as a, a suitor to him, but I think he, he knew it would, I almost feel like he knew it would drive a wedge between Renera and yes. Allison too. And right. they were so close. And had they been able to remain this close, none of this would have happened if those kids hadn't gotten to fight and Renera and Allison had had a chance to hang out with each other for a couple of days more um, and had been there together when the king died, probably none of this would be happening. And it's, it's all about the, the fractioning of the relationship between these two women, honestly, that's led to all this. And it, and what a mistake Renera made to leave, right? Well, she said, I'll be back right away on Dragonback. And that was, I think, a really genuine moment between those two. Like, yeah. it looked like the beginning of their friendship could be healed. And, um, you know, I think you mentioned Axel or Allison sending her sons on Dragonback to go tell Renera. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the bigger move would have been for her to get on Dragonback with one of those sons to go see Renera because oh, that was Renera always wanted her like, oh, the saddle will be big enough for two. We can go riding together. Had always wanted that. And Allison's like, no, no, I'm too afraid. Had that been like a thing like this is so important. I'm going to get on a dragon mm. and go see my friend <laughs> and I'm like shit scared that. of dragons. That could have been a really nice thing. But of course, you know, we need the drama. So we need the drama. Not so much the love, I guess, for these shows to succeed. <laughs> that's kind of the, that's kind of how Twitter runs, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's oh see. Um, I did think that you had mentioned um, Rainy. Is my pronoun? I always her name is hard for me. Is it Rainy's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a performance! You mentioned the actress name Eve Best. Man, she's awesome. 
He's so good. This episode was so interesting to me because we saw the conversation she had with Renera, right? And she didn't really kind of want to help her really, right? And and then what happens in their relationship with her son, she still thinks her son's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to her kind of discover that she's been kind of locked in this room, that was another confusing part where I was like, <sighs> what's, I was confused for her and myself. I was like, what's going on? Oh, is that, okay. They just kind of have to keep everything on lockdown um, to what's going on. And then the conversation she has with Allison is so interesting to me because it's like they both, Allison seemed to kind of say everything she wanted to say. Um, but I felt that there was things that Rainis was holding back and didn't trust her. And it comes out in the end, but I just felt, I mean, I don't know. Her performance was kind of cool. And you knew once she was like walking through the city and following everybody, uh, I was just saying to myself, just follow him to the dragon. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she ends up doing. (laughs) Well, I I was just going to say what's confused me about Rainey's through this whole series is how un- like she didn't really give too much of a shit either way. She's always like played it cool. You don't really know what she's thinking. She's, she's not really taking sides. And I think we finally know what side she's on. And I liked that she kind of kept her her cards close to her chest this whole time to like reveal what maybe where her true loyalties really lie. What were you going to say, Trey? Oh, I was going to say, have they ever established that the dragon pits are underneath the sept? I don't think they have. Because otherwise, like, there wouldn't have been time for her to make a tunnel that fit a dragon to just go underneath there. So (laughs) that kind of confused me. Because you would think that underneath the sept would be, like, the septon and the septa's quarters and, like, maybe some storage supplies, Right. Like their basement is just a dragon pit. I just, I, but I like maybe that's in the books now, but I can't remember. And it just seems like way too convenient, especially like there was just the unguarded stairway down to get there. Well, remember, there are tunnels all underneath yes. the city. Yeah. Um, we, and about. we don't know how large they are. And I think the dragons, you know, it's clear that when they're in that dragon pit, it looks like, um, one is back in a tunnel like they have yeah. dug their own tunnels and who knows where they've gone i just kind of thought and I, I just thought oh there's like maybe the tunnels beneath the city um some are big enough for dragons to squeeze through i don't know <laughs> yeah i i agree trey i was i guess i just assume it like there's just whenever anytime you go underground you're bound to run into some dragon or <laughs> <laughs> some big skull or something right like um, it would have been, they did have opera, they had opportunities and perhaps it, I missed it or we missed it when they were showing some of the other dragon stuff that maybe they, it was there, but it almost seemed like a whole different place and building. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. It did, it did seem like that was not like a small little mousy dragon that could kind of, you know, go through a little tunnel. That's a, that's like a huge 
She's know. a really big dragon. Yeah. yeah. So, it, I mean, either way, it was really cool. When she went down there, I kind of thought to myself, I thought, okay, she's going to get the dragon. Um, but I, I, it really caught me by surprise that it came up from the bottom. I yes. thought it was more likely that it was going to come. They kept on showing the top of the building, right? Like didn't. Yeah. I thought it was going to come yes, in the roof too. Exactly. So I thought that, the, and then they were probably doing that on purpose to throw us off. Um, but I thought it was going to, I thought we were going to have like fire all of a sudden, you know? Um, and then that she was going to attack, but, um, yeah, what a great performance by her this episode. Like you said, keeping her cards close to her. I always kind of, she, she did that the whole time, right? Like you didn't know. And for me, I saw that almost as like a lasting hurt from not being queen, mm -hmm. right? Like she's, and, and she kind of said that to Renera too. She's like, fuck all these people, right? Like yeah. they're never going to like you. Yeah. You know? and. And that always bothered me because I'm like, dude, this is your chance to actually make sure a woman gets on the throne this yeah, time. And the fact that they didn't kind of, she didn't kind of mentor her more closely on that, I thought was a lost opportunity. But, you man. know, she's, it's, Fucking you know. Targaryens, man. I know. You know? <laughs> they just, all, all of them, the, the whole okay. family, they're all they aren't. If they aren't making love to each other, they're not communicating with each other. Exactly. I guess that's the point. That what they need is just a, a like a big therapy session, you know, and just kind of talk about their feelings. But I guess they're going to have to fight it out with dragons instead. Um, so we talked about the dragon coming up. The whole scene I felt was fantastic. I loved the crowds moving in. I love that feeling, which also harkened back to the end of Game of Thrones, right? Those kind of like claustrophobic um, uh, streetways and such and alleys. And then the I thought that the CGI and everything of the of everyone being in there for the coronation was really awesome. The coronation itself was really I mean, you could tell it was interesting the way like they kept on flash to people on the stage. Everyone's like, is this really happening? Should we be doing this? <laughs> like, like, but then once he becomes king, you're like, oh shit, this guy is gonna like the guy you saw groveling to his brother, you know, <laughs> 20 minutes ago has quickly decided that it is his destiny to rule all. Oh, they're going to cheer me. I get to wave my big sword yep. around. And yet all, even his family members can't even like properly bow and curtsy to him once he's crowned. It's just kind of very subtle. Yes. It was very <laughs> it's like, weird. Oh, this is very bad. It reminds me of all like, you know, these politicians running and like 14 family members come out and say, do not vote for him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's the Herschel Walker of Westeros. Oh God. Um, without the NFL career. Uh, but it was, it, I, I like the way they did that. And it was instead of, instead of making, instead of the scene making me feel that the people on the stage were the centerpiece and had this power, it really made me feel like 
that power was out in that audience. And then for the dragon to come up, it kind of completed it. I don't know. It just really worked for me the way that they presented that. Uh, thematically, it just came together. I really appreciated it and liked it. And of course, the final question is, let's Trey, let's start with you. Were you hoping that she burned everybody or <laughs> did she make the right decision? How do you feel about her final decision to in, just yell at them and then take off? I mean, it probably would have been for the best if she had burned them all. Because then Rhaenyra would have just taken the throne. Once again, the small people would be reminded, like, you don't mess with your rulers. They have dragons. So it would, like, enforce their right to rule. And, yeah, they would get rid of, like, everyone else who could possibly contest the throne from Rhaenyra. Gina? Well, if she'd burnt them, we would not be having a second season. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the unfortunate, you know, and I don't I, I don't remember if this was in the history that, you know, Renera kind of came up at the coronation and busted in. I don't think it was. So it's not. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, they're, you know, kind of weaving some things together. And, um, you know, I think if anything, it was, you know. Rainey's making her intentions very, very clear about what was going to happen next and what side she's on. Um, she didn't, you know, she didn't shoot the first arrow or whatnot in the war, but I think she laid down the law a little like, okay. I, 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 she did, but you know what? I have to say, I have to say something is she killed a lot of civilians that were in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like she took, I, out, I felt so bad for those like hundred people who were right above the dragon blast. That's what I'm saying. It could have been a couple, like that was like mass murder right there that she, it, but I think it just showed to me when I thought about it in that context and I was like, yeah. If she took them out now, we know we're going to have a dance of dragons. We know there's going to be much more death, right? She could have ended it all here. And there was many times in Game of Thrones where there's like these little moments. Oh, if they had just done this, right? This wouldn't have happened. Or And I think that George loves to do it. And maybe the show loves to kind of do that. Um, I'm not sure which one is more. That little, the, these, you know, the butterfly effect kind of thing, you know? But in this case, it was more like, God, they're all so awful. I, I really did feel that way. Like, I guess I wanted her to do it. But then I also kind of felt like she just killed all these people, but she's not going to kill the, she's like going to look at the queen and be like, I'm a mother too. I won't kill you and your son. Dragon. Try not to uh, like take yeah. 10 people's arms off as we turn around, which it did, you know, like it just kind of, I don't know. I kind of come back to when this show first started and I first started kind of talking to different people about what a song of ice and fire is about learning a little bit about George and how a lot about how he says, you know, he was very anti-war, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of this story is trying to show how horrible war is and how it doesn't, there's no right choices. 
And I felt for me, this was a great example of that because here's this super, we, we, um, we have feelings for all of them, right? And we talk about their family struggle, but then in essence, they don't give a shit about anybody but themselves and who's going to rule and have this power. And it reminded me a little bit about of Danny in a Game of Thrones uh, where it's like, you know, yes, we might we could disagree about what's going to happen in the books or what happened at the end of Game of Thrones. But the quest to be the ruler and to think you have this, you know, birthright to Mm -hmm. rule other people and tell them what to do with their lives and kill them or do whatever to them is just something that is so despicable from this from jump that it you know it that it's that classic game of thrones gray area push and pull but that's just the way i saw it i'm always no i think the same yeah like my favorite character in the whole canon of like all the uh related works is Jon snow which seems like a very basic choice but He has no political allegiances. He's just kind of preoccupied with like, hey, guys, all of us are going to die if we don't (laughs) unite against these White Walkers and this Night King. Like, and he's like, I, I find him like very justified in all the choices he makes, too. And he's all about kind of like doing the less doing the least amount of harm to all creatures. Davos is my second favorite character. I also think he's like, uh has good moral character he's like kind of affiliated with stannis but then stannis (laughs) disappears and he's just like on his own making good choices so i don't know there isn't like really anyone to root for yet in this story but i think um some of the grandkids of rainier's side are gonna be like the actually like kind-hearted characters in the next season Maybe. I, not that I need it, though. I'll admit that, right? <laughs> I don't need it. I still love this show, and I think it's the best show on TV right now. I think all the characters are, are amazing, and I can still feel for them, you know, empathize and sympathize with them. Um, but I do I do kind of more and more as I watch this, because there was a saw online someone had like a little it was a twitter or facebook some kind of poll like which side are you on i was like <laughs> i'm not on any side they're all targaryens and they're all nuts but i'm having fun watching it i really yeah feel that's that pretty way. much where i stand too yeah i don't have a side i think the show is communicating something but for me i'm really not pulling for one or the other so my thing with burning them was only to stop all the warfare that's going to happen not that I was like, oh, they all deserve to die. Because in, in essence, they're just kind of all, they've all made some pretty despicable choices. Or, and, and they're just part of this, you know, hierarchy that, you know, uh, I'm Irish. We don't like kings and queens. <laughs> Gina, any other thoughts on that? I mean, I know certain things that are going to happen okay which i think makes me a little more aligned with the blacks okay interesting. um although they have made allison a more sympathetic character but i'm i'm definitely i think more team black in this okay. and um 
I won't say why because it's a big spoiler, but as <laughs> as the show progressed and I became fond of characters, I was just like, oh no, that's not going to happen to her. <laughs> and um, I was like team black all the way. So, okay. yeah. All right. That's good yeah. to know. I guess we'll see. Then they've done a good job, right? Of Yeah. Of, of kind of making me more interested in everything overall than specifically picking a side. Um, but yeah, the dragon thing, killing all those innocent people did make me think because there is a correlation there to the set blowing up, right? And to what Danny does, I think. And I think, it, I don't know, when I'm looking around on the interwebs and reading art and reading reviews of the show, it just seems like a lot of people kind of forgot about that part. They're like, oh, a cool dragon came through the bottom of the floor. Well, but you compare it to the set blowing up and what Danny did, and more, that's I mean, that's like a drop true. in the bucket. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, but then it's, it's like a, who's a worse serial killer? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, and also, Rhaenyra's, her goal was also to, uh, not Rhaenyra's, Rhaenys, her goal was also to free herself. True. And, we don't know, you know. Her, yeah, we don't know if she could have picked a different avenue. To yeah. Do, do we know she knew she was under the sept? I don't know. <laughs> you know she, she did kind of walk down the stairs after she just kind of went know? go get my dragon yeah. and there's so many tunnels she, like she'd have to know those tunnels pretty uh, well to be like here go here this is where we need to go um yeah, true true but she she also wasn't too upset and turned right around and was like i'm gonna now have my dragon yell at you well i think she knows what's gonna come next yeah. is gonna be worse than taking out 100 people in the set True. during the coronation true that true that all right great episode <laughs> um is there anything that we missed i think we kind of chatted about everything i i think we. Trey, is there most... anything else you want to chat about no i think that was pretty much everything yeah cool cool gina uh, uh just you know Kristen calls a shit that's yeah. that's all i've got to say <laughs> yeah poor beesberry and auto are like the worst Yeah, I kind of think that is one thing I'll say is that is one guy who I would put in the I don't like category. He is. Yeah, he 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 just every time he opens his mouth, he says something that's cringy and not good. Um, And he's he's a hypocrite, too. He said something this episode that was like, oh, all women are born in the form of the mother and need to be whatever. I'm like. Except Brunera, right? Because you called her a see you next Tuesday. So, hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> he always calls her a whore as well. Yeah. Well, we know yeah. why that is. Because he loves he's... her. He's still fucking hard up for her. You know? Oh. He's just a little baby. It's like all a those strong kids paradise could... or something. All those, all those strong kids could have been his kids. Could have been Cole kids. Yeah. That's true. Well, I think that there's a reason why... I mean, just I think the show did that on purpose. The casting of those two guys and how the kids look, they look like they could have been. I think that's purposeful. You know, I know they're supposed to not look Targaryen. So, of course, you're going to give them black hair. But I think that that's a purposeful thing in the looks he gives. I I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, Well, we we only have one episode left. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You think we're going to get some dragon fighting finally? Some big fighting? 
<laughs> yes, I sure hope so. Yeah. We've waited long enough. I do know that Olivia Cook isn't in the next episode, so I'm guessing it'll be similar to the format of this last episode, mm. um, but just okay. on Dragonstone side oh. of things. Interesting. Well, it doesn't mean that some of the other people couldn't be involved, right? Like, well, that's in- that's interesting. That's mm. yeah. I kind of miss them this episode, but I like that. You know, I mean, I'm always a fan of when television does something like that, like not show people for an episode or two, because I think that it's it just kind of gives you, makes you fully see another side. I, it always bothers me when they like just feel like you have to see a character so they throw a quick scene in there that i don't yeah i thought it was really effective to focus only on the other side for one episode yep definitely and it made because it it did make you empathize with renera and damon and be like wow we know a bunch of shit that they don't know what's happening even right like Mm -hmm. it kind of gives you a little sense of power in the in the dynamic as well um all right well great episode Trey, thank you for coming on. Is there anything else thank you, you want to say before, before you go? Oh, I have one quick thing then. Okay. So this whole this whole season, I've been like, what are these weird like marble orb things that everyone in the council has in front of them? Why do they make such a big deal of showing this every single time? And then Beesbury got like <laughs> oh, we didn't talk <laughs> crushed about against yes. one. And I thought, okay, have they... Like, have they been focusing on those this whole time just so we could get that, like, head crush scene in? Maybe. <laughs> that yeah, would be kind of right about that. weird. Because the balls do rise up a bit, right? Like, it's not like they put the ball in and it goes all the way down. Like, it, Yeah, it, it protruded enough yes. that it, like, took him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, for me... I've noticed a bunch of things like that in the show and it kind of went along with, um, so remember when she, uh, uh, originally picked Cole to be on the, uh, Kingsguard, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the city watch or whatever. They, they had all these little flags in front of them. Oh and yeah. Remember that? And then they have this, th- that thing at the council and then they have the King is obsessed with the little, the the uh, Valerian um, oh model right in his room, um, which had a lot of cobwebs. Now, um, I just I th- I kind of thought since I love like little Lego and building models and stuff, I just felt that they kind of geeked out and they were trying to, I don't know, kind of in the same way that you discover in Game of Thrones that the thing spinning in the beginning is actually at the um is is in the uh what's what's that place called that sam ends up at oh um oh my gosh the citadel yes yeah, thank you it is the, the citadel. citadel right that we discover that that's actually at the citadel right remember that later on yeah so i think it's just like for me it was always like this obsession with like creating little things which then kind of is a metaphor for the way the kings and queens kind of their little decisions have such a ramification for everything else. But I do think that you're right. At some point they were like, we got to justify this head cracking open. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's just show them playing with these balls every single time they're sitting at this table. Cause they did do it a lot. 
they really like to do it. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. That is, uh, I think that's about it. What a great episode. Great season. One left. Then we'll just wait until the uh, next season comes in, I don't know, a couple of years, probably. 2024. 2024. But the- <laughs> is it actually slated for 2024? Um, I think it might be. Yeah, I don't I think know. they've started filming yet. Yeah. It's going to take a while. This one took a while. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get something before then. Something else in the Game of Thrones universe. Is the Jon Snow spinoff for sure happening? That's my understanding that it's oh. a go. Yeah. And he's an executive producer. Kid oh my Harrington. gosh. Now I'm actually more excited for that now than I was before dragons. I think because I did a whole GOT rewatch before dragon started and the opportunity to have guest appearances from all the characters we know and love from game of Thrones is so exciting. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm down for it. And I think that that's John. Jon Snow was my favorite, too. I love Jon Snow. And for some of the exact reasons uh, that you said, Trey, I like the idea that when power comes a calling, you know what? Sometimes the right idea is just to be. Nope, I'm good. You know, just to walk away from it. You don't. That's the game that power plays where you get sucked in and he was one of the few characters who was like i don't give a shit about any of that what i really care about is trying to actually save everyone i love and this whole world Mm -hmm. you know so i always kind of appreciated that um oh we could talk about john snow forever but (laughs) we will end the podcast thank you again trey thank you gina thank you everyone for listening and downloading find out more about us of course at dvrpodcast.com we will be back next week for the finale and we're going to bring back uh matt murdoch the originator of this podcast who you can find at before the dragon.com he has a great podcast and he's going to join us and we're going to talk about i guess the whole season the finale and all the dragon goodness that perchance we may see so peace out everybody